James earns millions from internet marketing. Tim's got millions of questions. Welcome to Freedom Ocean. Now, jump on in. Welcome back, listeners, to the wonderfully warm waters of the Freedom Ocean podcast. I am one of your hosts, Tim Reed, and on the other side of the boat is James Shremko. G'day, James. G'day, Timbo. How are you going? I am absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much. Following a great conversation you you and I just had. (laughs) (laughs) We have our little chats, don't we? Yeah, it was a good chat. It was a good chat. So uh, feeling in a, in a good frame of mind and uh, looking forward to cranking out another episode following um, what has been a couple of different episodes um, of late, a live episode and a reflection on a live event that you uh, you held recently with Fast Web Formula 3. And now we're, um, we're back into the thick of it because we've got a load of listener questions banking up. Put aside any questions I might have. Um, which still remain in the millions. Um, we've got a lot of listener questions, James. Well, you know, this whole uh, thing about going off track a little bit and then coming back, that is such a representative thing for most of our businesses. I see this again. I've just been to lunch with a friend of mine and I was talking about the event and how there's an opportunity cost. If I didn't hold the event, I would have been doing something else. And I think that getting back to my routine as quickly as possible is the most productive thing that I could have done. And I think things like uh, Christmas coming up, for example, will cause some people to drop the ball for entire months until they get back onto it. So I would encourage people to be very, very clear about their purpose Mm. and set a routine so that they can keep the momentum going. From uh, the feedback that we've had, it sounds like people are actually achieving stuff from these calls. <laughs> yeah, they really are. They, they are. What's your view on that? I mean, you, you, you have um, you got the ability to work uh, through things like Christmas and weekends and um, and public holidays. Is is it to sort of establish a routine that does see you work uh, constantly? Um, through all parts of the year um, or, yeah. A a lot of it is actually customer driven. I I find some people go away at Christmas or, you know, this Friday, we have Black Friday in America and the the things will sort of drop down a bit. So it's even if I want to work, there's really not that much you can do. I notice also on the weekends, the emails just drop right back. There's very little happening on the weekend. So I actually work to those moments is when I'm most creative. I actually create products, I plan, I clean up old servers, I delete domains. I basically do spring cleaning every few weeks. And when the customers aren't there, that's when I can really get in there and roll up the sleeves. So I do have Christmas Day off. (laughs) I I should hope so. Well, seriously, I I sort of, that's my Christmas present to the families. I turn the computer (laughs) off and hang out with them all day. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I can actually work any time, but I, I also like to keep a fairly consistent routine because you can achieve a lot when you just chip away at something on a gradual basis. I think one of my observations um, or myths that's been busted for me 
entering the internet marketing space is that you know I, I thought there was just a whole lot of bu- a whole bunch of gurus sitting around on the hammock working three hours a day, and there may well be some. I, I haven't met any yet. What I found instead was a whole lot of people who absolutely love what it is they do and really get quite excited about their work, much more excited than anyone who's working in an office job, stuck in a cubicle. Um, And so the idea of actually sitting and working of a night time or on the weekend or or even, you know, God, heaven forbid, thinking of taking Christmas Day off, um, I kind of get because it's not like work to them. Or taking a computer on a holiday. Yep. You know, it would normally be frowned upon to take a laptop to a tropical island. But in this business, it's quite acceptable. And it's it's funny when you go and meet with a few other entrepreneurs and they're hanging out in, uh, you might have a boardroom meeting to brainstorm or mastermind, and then people will check their computers and stuff. Really, the game is how leveraged can you make your business for what you want? So it's it's totally up to you. If you choose to take on and build a team or you choose to serve a lot more customers, you will be taking on a bit more infrastructure, but managing it and getting it to the level that you're comfortable with is the thing. And, and you're right, there's a lot of people who work very hard all day so that they can make money while they sleep at night. That's that's a nice way of putting it. They really are. So, do you, do you know many uh, yourself who are actually who are the hammock, who are occupying the hammock for those um, for for most of the day? I do not know many no. people who do that. I almost all the people that I know uh, would you would class as addicted to the internet. Yeah, I agree. I I think of all the people that I know, I probably have the most flexible routine because I work really hard at making sure I have no commitments Mm -hmm. to to attend, very minimal. And if I do, I schedule them uh, to one day a week or whatever. So being flexible is good. I mean, here we are at at this time of recording, it's four o'clock in the afternoon and this is the start of my work for the day. Mm -hmm. I I haven't actually been near the computer until we scheduled our chat. And I will most likely spend quite a few hours this afternoon or tonight answering emails and posting in my forums and uh, updating things with the team. How would you then define passive income? Passive income is income that would come without you having to, to turn up. So taxi driving is not passive because you have to turn up to make the money. If you own a taxi company and you employ staff and they drive the taxis but and they can still drive customers around and you get paid even if you're not in the same state, then that would become a more passive income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would you say your income is passive because you work hard for it? So my income is both passive and active. Yeah. I have pass- passive income coming from information products that I have up online and recurring subscriptions for things and affiliate income for websites that I may have built years ago. But I also have active income. So uh, recently I started up my mastermind and I do have to turn up to make money in that. But it has byproducts. So I get paid to turn up. I get paid quite a bit to turn up and that's important the way that I've structured it. 
but at the same time, I'm also gathering some very good notes and I'm able to create information products from the notes that I take and the discoveries that I make and implement those things in my business and then create some extended passive income things. So I run quite a few different business models, which is unusual. You would suggest to most people to identify one or two and focus on them? Well, I think always start with one and then, and then when you want to protect your business a bit, you get the second one because one is a very dangerous number, but one gives you the most focus. Mm. So it's great while it lasts. The thing is things eventually change or ordinarily and what happens to a lot of business owners is the business model changes, they're slow to react and then they have to bet the house on red or black and if they get it wrong, then they're out of business and if they get it right, then they've just luckily moved to the new business model. You should have at least two legs on that table, preferably three, mm-hmm. but for most new people, they're better just to, to dive into one. So if they're working a current job, they should really put their effort onto that first initiative and see through all the in- inevitable challenges because we don't see all the, the challenges that they go through. Uh, these guys, there's always challenges. We only see the successes. Yeah people tend to bury their their, uh, mistakes. It's easy online to just ignore a site or turn it off or delete a website. So I would suggest focus very hard on getting that first one and find all the lessons and all the byproducts of it and start the second one. And if possible, do it in a slightly different area so that if one falls over, you're okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, mate. Well, listen, let's get stuck in because we have got – I'm going to start with a bit of feedback from one of our listeners, but we've got a whole lot of questions too that we're going to we're going to cover a bit of ground uh, in the next 30 minutes or so. So the first one comes from Dave Newgas and this is a um, this is actually some feedback in response to episode 23 where you shared your triple D strategy for smart decision making James and um, uh, Dave uh, his comment was um, he said I need to tuck in and learn by my mistakes instead of trying to create or emulate the ever-perfect system. And the reason I printed this one out is it was really resonating with me um, when, I was, when I was planning for this show, you know, that, that whole concept of waiting till it's perfect, waiting to find the, the perfect reference or the perfect plan or instead of actually just taking action. Um, he then goes on to say it is better to learn by doing that it is better to learn by doing that by standing at the back of the classroom and peeking over somebody's shoulder, uh, peeking over everybody's shoulder. I just finished um, an audio book yesterday called um, "Just Build It." Have you read that? No. Oh, it's good. It was kind of basically pretty much saying what Dave talks about. Um, Lukey from my other show put me onto that one. It's a great audio book. It went for about an hour and a half. And it was just kind of like, you know, take the action and you'll be amazed at what comes from it. Um, Dave goes on to say, it's okay to plan your actions as long as you action your plans. Love that. Another great podcast. <laughs> he then says, any chance of doing these every three days? <laughs> yeah, so that reminds me of the general pattern quote about a, um, a good plan violently executed today is better than a great plan uh, executed tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, action Jackson. Um, and also, you know, I can relate to what he's saying. It's very hard to learn how to ride a bicycle by reading a book on the subject. It's better just to, you know, get on the thing and you might fall off occasionally. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. In fact, there was a cartoon uh, they mentioned in this book called Just Build It. Um, and it was something like, um, oh, I should have, 
if I only had it in front of me, but it was like um, there was two. There were two doors. One was um, one was books on God, and the other one was he- no books on heaven, and the other one was heaven, and everyone was lining up for the books on heaven. <laughs> Do you get that? <laughs> People were much more inclined to want to read about it than actually. Um, it wasn't a religious cartoon. It was just point, it was making fun of the fact that we much more inclined to go and read about stuff than actually, you know, um, be in the present amongst it. Anyway, you clearly didn't find that funny. <laughs> no, I just I'm holding back. I don't want to lose the majority of our audience with my thoughts on the, <laughs> on. The, there was I, nothing to do with religion. It could have been it could have been um, books on cycling uh, or a cycling track. You know, I think it, for some reason they chose the heaven, um, the topic of heaven instead of something else. Hey, um, Scott Penbury um, has got a question about QR codes, James. He said, "Can you elaborate on QR code stuff?" He smelt a good opportunity in, in that market and would be interested in hearing your thoughts. Um, I don't think we've done too much, given too much discussion around QR codes, have we? I don't think so. Uh, I think they they do interest me, though. What what interests you about them? Well, the fact that uh, I mean, I've I've used them a little bit, so that's interesting. And I did travel overseas recently and saw them in shop windows in Switzerland. I saw them in um, mainstream magazines in uh, newsagent stands in the airports in, in America. And I have actually held up my phone to a QR code to see what's there. And I've seen them on workbooks and I put one on my own workbook recently at the event. So mm. I think that because the phone is such an attached device to a human these days, I mean, they rarely separate and we'll be handling our payments from them. We... Uh, we use SMS for our most intimate communications, as was pointed out by uh, a couple of other podcasters lately. I think Ed and um, Danny pointed out that SMS is where you, that's where you contact your real mates. I just think phones and things that work with phones are quite clever and will be more important, something worth paying attention to. But also d- don't get dazzled by the opportunity Trying to do something too early is very difficult and I learnt that when I joined Vodafone when they arrived in Australia to sell digital telephones. It was really hard work convincing people that they needed a digital phone when they were quite happy with their analogue phone that worked perfectly. And that it's hard to educate a market to need what you have. So I tend these days to work with the starving crowd philosophy uh, the Gary Halbert thing. Look for that starving crowd and then serve them up the hot dog stand <laughs> because it doesn't really matter if the hot dog's hot or cold or whether they, whether you got mustard or not. If, if you've got that hot dog card at 3 a.m. out the front of the nightclub when it closes, you're going to sell hot dogs. It, it, it's interesting... Um not jumping on these things too soon. Um, but you look, I, I remember Mike Rhodes at Fast Web Formula 3 talking about the ability to use um, g- use the Google AdWords functionality for mobile campaigns. And it just reminded me just how much further we've got to go with the smartphones. We think they can do a lot these days. but um, And while there might be a lot of QR codes out there, people are still probably, the, the masses are still probably unaware of how to actually use one 
or, or get the information from one. So there is a long way to go and there probably is a really good business opportunity in there, but it's early days. Yeah, so it's good to be aware of it and to see what consequences it might have. And then when it becomes the invariable game changer, in inverted commas, when you can no longer ignore it, when everyone is telling you about it, that's when the opportunity will probably be ripe. So the, the, you want to be in that early majority part of the bell curve and, and then the late majority and you jump off it by, by the time you get to the laggards because they're just hard work, the ones who finally cave in and have no other choice. But, but being part of the innovator, innovator part is probably very expensive and time-consuming for a little payoff. Um, we've got a question here from Edmund. Uh, Edmund brought, bought Traffic Grab uh, and very satisfied with it. He then says, I have a question though. How do you rank for your podcast site, Freedom Ocean? I can't seem to rank for my podcast episodes on Google. Have you got any tips to share? Thanks in advance, Edmund. Well, it's a pretty straightforward thing. We have, we're using WordPress as our framework. We do put a key phrase in the page title, which is picked up generally from the post headline. And uh, my fabulous assistant who puts the content on the, on the blog posts remembers to tag them and select the appropriate category. That'd be me. So once it's up there... <laughs> well, we also clean it up a little bit in the background. You do. And then uh, once it's published, we do we get links to the posts from various places. We actually, you know, we go and post it on Facebook and on other sites that end up pointing back to it. There is a plugin as well on our WordPress blog which leverages each post a little bit. So it does a little bit of automated bookmarking and backlinking. I don't want to get bogged into the technicals, but we do mention it inside Traffic Grab. And if you follow the, the site lesson in Traffic Grab, then it will definitely show you what plugins to use for a podcast. And you should be ranking like crazy for all sorts of phrases. And of course, above all, make sure your content is 100% original and that it mentions the sort of words and phrases that you would expect to see in something that relates to that topic. And then Google will be able to clearly understand what your subject is about. Do you reckon we've made um, hard work for ourselves by giving our show the name Freedom Ocean, which is a, much more of a brand name than it is a keyword rich name? We could have called it the Profitable Internet Marketing Podcast or something that people are much more inclined to search around. Have we made, a, we made life a bit more difficult? Not at all. We should be having a brandable because when I look at my website metrics, a good chunk of traffic to our websites is coming from people directly searching for that name. And if you go to Google and type in Freedom Ocean, I think you'll find that we absolutely dominate. So as people recognize our brand, as they look for that, they're thinking about it, it makes it easier for them to find it on YouTube and Facebook and Google because there aren't many people trying to optimise for the phrase freedom ocean. I mean, they'd be crazy to because there's no point. Whereas yep. there's plenty of people optimising for internet marketing training or internet marketing podcasts, but you will find that we rank for many of those phrases anyway. Mm. Yeah, it's all, and it's much more um, over the long term. Um, it might have been harder at the start to rank, but over the long term, I mean, it's it's just great having that that brandable name. You can do you can do so much more with them. 
Well, it's it's gets you better, better conversions. Yep, and it it gets you uh, people come along to live events when we offer tickets. But in saying that, do you know we are uh, we have like sixty listings in Google.com.au, which is where our primary customer base would be, mm-hmm. and we we rank for words like internet marketing event and local business online marketing. But that would be a, a crazy domain name for us to try and brand off, and you can't trademark and you can't. You can't put a T-shirt out there and worry and uh, worry that someone's not going to counterfeit it so much. You you want to be able to own stuff. So these brandables are nice. Now, James, um, a couple of great listeners from over in Canada, uh, Tim and Debbie West. Uh, Tim West has sent us a great note just recently uh, talking about some of the results he's been getting from listening to the show, which I thought it would be great to share because it is nice to um, to hear that what other people are uh, achieving as a result of listening, listening in on the ocean. He says, as a result of implementing some of the basic things from your podcast, I can share that getting uncomfortable has been so rewarding. Now, what's he mean by that, getting uncomfortable, tr- trying new things? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's part of the step of growth. Uh, you're going to have to go through some change. Like when you go to the gym, which I'm sure you do every afternoon, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you lift up those weights and the muscle endures, uh, you know, a scenario where it gets a little bit torn and a bit ripped and then it reacts by growing back stronger in yeah. case it has to do it again. And it, it just changes the whole system and rebuilds in a better way. So putting yourself under a little bit of change uh, or some some good stress can actually force a different outcome. And invariably, when you're going through these business changes and you change your mindset or your approach, when you get a, a small win and things go well, then that is an irreversible change. You now, now you know a better way. You're not going to go back to the old way. He gives some examples um, of what this discomfort has resulted in. And by the way, his his wife is not Debbie, it's Melissa. And Melissa's been um, really kind to me of recent uh, weeks. She's a yoga teacher in Canada and um, was, was sent me a couple of really nice uh, comments and emails um, as a result of my neck operation. So thanks, Melissa, and sorry for getting your name wrong. But um, some of the things they've achieved, um, they're off to Ireland and Italy with their daughter, um, Uh, for Melissa to do yoga teachings to viewers of her online videos. They've got a new clothing sponsor for her videos. Um, And then Tim, he's got uh, a real estate, some kind of real estate business. Um, And beyond anything Melissa's done in her business, um, Tim has got real estate business partners. His real estate business partners have received a shock as he's mandated fewer in-person meetings. So he's taken a bit of advice about uh, actually utilising GoToMeeting. Um, he's even fired some customers, James. Do we take responsibility well, for that? Absolutely. That's <laughs> one of the most favourite things ever. Yeah, well, he's a, he's, oh, he's a print broker as well. He's got this, t- Tim's got many uh many bows to his um what do they are say like the feathers to his bow freedom ocean listener implementation awards of 2011 i tell you what <laughs> these guys are good man uh, he goes on to say uh, he's found some existing new clients begging him not to dump them he's starting con- he started converting clients over to wordpress he's now got a he'll have a hundred by december um 
and he's got something to do with car sales. Car sales, I have I have a few cars on a lot, have improved as I've gone out and found other locations to hold cars and advertise while splitting profits profits with the new location providers. So brilliant. Brilliant. We should do it. We should do a listener interview. We should. We should. We don't do many interviews on this show. We haven't done I, any except for the um the Well we did last yeah, week. The guests at Fast except Web. for last week, of yeah. course. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Except that most recent episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think that would that might be uh, well it might be fun. I don't know. The listeners could let us know if they're interested in that. Nice. Uh, especially I think Facebook is is probably where most people are commenting on the shows. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So get along to that um, like Freedom Ocean on Facebook and uh, tell us if you want us to do some interviews, if you're interested in that. Yeah, that'd be interesting. We, we haven't. I mean, we have uh, – it's normally you and I bantering, so um, it'd be great to hear what other people are achieving. It might, I think that hearing this kind of stuff kicks other people along, you know. Do you think it makes them feel sad that they're not getting yep. the same results? Yep, absolutely it does. <laughs> it does. I'll put my hand up for that. <laughs> it was the first reaction I had when I read Tim's email, uh, hearing what... What, delete? Lucky it gets copied to me as well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But it's like, wow. I mean, that is amazing. Uh, here we are creating this content in the comfort of our, our, our lounge rooms and it's having that's it's having an impact on the other side of the world. And he also says he's left a, a nice thank you, a nice listener review on the iTunes store. So I must say, if people did want to... Um, did want to put their thoughts forward or leave a little thank you doing it on itunes um is a very cool thing because it does help with our um it does help with our rankings somehow uh it's a bit of a secret the whole itunes thing but we do know that that listener reviews help so thanks for that tim and well done melissa um now james um i'm going to keep moving through these we've got a couple more um and i know you get a bit of a giggle out of this one because this is um this one's from marty and it came through only today or yesterday, actually. And um, he was talking about um, how do you overcome this problem of clients wanting a silver bullet? Um, and he's specifically talking about SEO, wondering if he was to take up um, some of your SEO products, whether um, you could offer the, the, the magic response of, yeah, we'll get you on page one, guaranteed, um, because that's what his clients are asking. They're all saying he's got the ability to get them excited about online marketing, but they're all wanting these guarantees. So what do you say to that? Right. Well, he's just eliciting the wrong response from the people if they're obsessed about that. What he's effectively doing is he's saying, uh, could, you, could I please transfer all of the risk to you so that I don't have any? And can I draw upon your talent to pick keywords so that I don't have to. And then if it all goes wrong, we'll blame you and then you can fix it up. And therefore, he's really not offering much value as a reseller. We might as well be dealing directly with the end user. If we want to take on the risk and and use our talent, we have to increase our prices from being a lean wholesale supplier. And I'll give you an analogy. It's like he's going into a, a grocery store and buying ingredients and then saying to the shopkeeper, if I take this home and cook it and serve it up to my restaurant customers and they don't like the food, can I bring these vegetables back? Mm. Of course, that's not, it's not fair and it's not realistic. He's got to add some value for his layer in the equation so that the customer's getting a good solution. Now, he shouldn't have to do business based on guarantees like that because we have hundreds of resellers who don't. And here's the key point. 
the customer is going to focus on what you show them is the most important thing. They might think that they need a page one guarantee, but if you, if you say to them, sure, we can guarantee it, but it'll cost you $10,000 more, or we could just give it our best shot and you could trust us to do the best we can because we're good and we'll charge you 10000 less, then somewhere between that, the customer can make a decision. So it's not true that they would only do business with you if you could guarantee it. And let's look at reality for a second. We don't own Google. We cannot say that they won't announce a new Panda version 6 update tomorrow. We, we don't ultimately know that. So unless you put in a margin or an insurance buffer on every deal to cover the, the, the setbacks, you know, you can't get to uh, the level of pricing that you need to be uh, to be able to allow people to add value. So the simple answer is get the talent, you do the keyword picking, uh, you build trust in the customer and focus them on the result that they're happy with and they're happy to pay for that solves their problem. And then you go and get the good supply from wherever you need to get the supply, but don't transfer the risk to them, but you won't be paying for it either. Yeah, well well said, well said. And um, you can only control so much. Guarantees have been a huge part of the internet marketing community for years, and I know your view on guarantees is pretty much don't give them because if your product's good enough and you give them enough access to seeing what they're going to get and set their expectations at a reasonable level that you shouldn't have to offer money back. And I think you actually said um, you'd prefer to coach someone out of a hole than give them the money back. Is that right? Yeah, I really don't like sending someone's money back when it's invariably not our fault. Mm. Uh, and see, when you have a very strong guarantee, it then sort of people cut corners and because they know they can just bring it back to you as, as a problem and they could say, oh, I want my money back. But if they, if they don't have that safety net, sometimes they actually implement better or they take full responsibility for what they're going to do and then it becomes that, that that's transferred to them. And from a lot of my testing, I've found that having a very solid guarantee doesn't necessarily lift sales conversion, but it definitely increases refunds. So almost educating people that they should ask yeah. for a guarantee. Yeah. Hey, I've got a really specific question about SEO, <laughs> which Marty's um, which was it Marty, which uh, Marty's question kind of triggered. Um, I've noticed on we get it on Freedom Ocean. I suppose most blogs get it, and I've been getting it on the small business big marketing blog as well, where people are. Le- I just get these, you know, like these lame comments left, which is clearly just to get to get a, a backlink, yeah? So they're, they're, they're comments completely unrelated to anything the blog post might have been about or the podcast episode might have been about, um, and all it does is make the the post look a bit trashy. Um, yeah. What What's my question there? It's, it's like I know what they're trying to do. They're just trying to get another backlink. Um, but And I just have to go through each day and clean it up. What, what, what's your view on all that? Well, they're just using spam software right. in most cases like X, XRumor or Scrapebox and it will just go out and send off thousands of these things by the hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just a, it's like spam. It's a strategy of getting backlinks for lazy blog owners who don't check them or auto-approve comments. So all you can do as a blog owner is make sure that you turn off auto-approve. You want to moderate comments so that you can ensure that you have quality because they'll, they'll automatically delete 
uh, unapproved comments after a certain period. So that's uh, that will actually automate that process for you. Right. Secondly, if you're if you if you use this as a strategy for SEO, then you are kidding yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not doing you, you any good to go and spam other people's blogs. So, with our SEO service, we do not offer uh, blog commenting or forum commenting because it has to be done by a high level human, and it has to be thoughtful and it has to be respectful. And unless you're going to do it that way, don't do it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's it's quite annoying. But on the on the flip side, as a as a strategy for SEO and for traffic, the uh, you should definitely be commenting on top blogs in the industry, but thoughtful, relevant comments. There's hardly anything better than that for SEO from Google's perspective to see a link back to your site from the top ten blogs in your industry that it that it's thematically graded, uh, that have respect and trust and authority, and your comment was approved, then that's a really good SEO strategy. But doing it this way is a very bad way. Is there any way of identifying the top 10 blogs in your industry outside of using a bit of, you know, intuition and knowing what they are through word of mouth? Is there a ranking somewhere where you can find the rankings based on traffic? Well, I don't think you'd be much of an industry expert unless you already know the top 10. You you would have a clue who's in the industry. Mm You know, if you're in the if you're in the the businessy space, you'd be looking at at uh, like small business, big marketing. You'd already be listening to it. You'd know that it exists. Uh, people know that that my internet marketing speed blog is a great place for that internet marketing industry. I do get a lot of blog comments from people trying to suck bandwidth off it because it's ranked number two for you know only behind Wikipedia for some of the top phrases and number one for many. And so they, they automatically find these using software tools or blog lists as, um, as a thing. But also you could type into Google your top phrase and see which sites come up that are actually blogs or that have some form of commenting ability that, that might give you a search engine benefit. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm not sure that um, small business owners would necessarily know uh, what the top 10 blogs were in their industry. Um, particularly those well, who are probably new to- be go- they'd be going to forums like that flying solo mm-hmm. and they'd see that you're sponsored sponsoring or whatever and uh, you know people people will f- find them invariably uh, and also when you're in the podcast section have a look at the other podcasts that people subscribe to you might see all the other ones that might be relevant to your industry and a lot of them will probably have a site that they broadcast from as well other than in iTunes. Mm. Hey, mate, that's, um, that's the end of listener comments and questions for episode 20, what is it, 29 of Freedom Ocean? Anything else yeah. Anything else uh, on your mind? You've had a bit on in the last few weeks since you're back from Fast Web. So much. So it's much. not funny. Like I actually thought of you a little bit uh, last week. I sort of hurt my neck a little bit. and uh, I don't even go there. Yeah, I can just can only imagine how difficult that must have been for you with business. Yeah, it was uh, it was tough. It was um, well, it's just hard to kind of plough through, particularly when you're a one man show. But anyway, I'm at the other end of it now, and uh, I'm actually doing this from my stand up desk, which has got a little motor going up and down. I've been going up and down as we've been talking. Isn't that um, theatre of the mind stuff? Um, but it's been fantastic. <laughs> I don't have a motor on my mantelpiece. You yet. have got to get a motor. This one's got a nice, quiet motor. Up she goes, down she goes, and um, 
it's been golden. So um, you, you have had a lot on, mate. Any, any um, what any key insights or observations yep. that you can share in the from the last couple of weeks of business? Yeah, just be absolutely focused on what it is that you're trying to do because there's so many potential distractions. In the last week, for example, I've launched a mastermind uh, community. Uh, which which I did a little mini sales launch for both internal and external. So always remember your existing best customers. They're the best customers. And then uh, did a little open up for brand new members of the public. I've also got some software in beta test mode. I've got about 50 people using it and telling me what they what they like and what they want to change. I've started new members in the team who are doing press releases for a brand new service that we set up and launched yesterday. I have... Uh, done a lot of work with my team planning for my next visit where we're going to uh, bring everybody into the central place and go through uh, training in different sessions and really develop the business. And I've filled a whiteboard with action steps that I need to do to get a lot of the products that I have and the services that I have marketed better. So I'm putting a lot of effort into video sales letters, uh, email sequences, shopping cart integration, and also I've got some new equipment this week, which is pretty exciting. Oh, here we go. What is it? Well, I got a new pop shield for my microphone. Nice. I got a new microphone and I'm getting a, a huge whiteboard, which is about three meters <laughs> wide because I want to map out my whole one week trip on the whiteboard and cover every aspect of what I want to discuss with my team and take a photograph of it. And then I'll just flip that up on the 42-inch plasma in the uh, house that we rent. Yep. And we'll just and we'll basically work our way around that picture. So it's like an infograph, if you like, an infographic with um, just everything drawn out in advance. So that's back to the, the point that I'm making. Be very clear about what you want to achieve and then set up all the systems and, and uh, flow to make that a fait accompli. Do you know you can go to like a Bunnings, a hardware store, and buy um, whiteboard? Is it whiteboard materials like chipboard with with a white laminate on it? You could do an entire wall in your spaceship. It just could. I just it could be a whiteboard. I'm worried that I might might get overload or get high on the fumes of that. Uh, <laughs> I like to take my whiteboards out of the room. Yeah, I like you do. to. I like to put them in the other room. So I like the, the boardroom yep. we have. I've got a mantelpiece in there. And then out the back, we have the entertainment room with another mantelpiece. There's a lot of wood fires here. And I like to be able to take that thing out to a different environment because you, you pick up different ideas in a different environment and uh, just to freehand it and then bring it back and then crunch it into the computer. So changing your environment is a good way to shake up old habits if you if you want to get some innovation my top tip is go into a different workspace for the day or for a few hours and get some new inspiration i agree with that in fact um i'll i'll raise you one as well and say that you know if, if you have um if there's a particular way our listeners go to work or a particular way you drive to get to somewhere um every day just shake it up a bit and change it. I read that. Uh, in fact, it was a, a podcast I listened to years ago. A guy called Phil McKinney. Uh, he talks. He has a, has a podcast. I don't think it's around anymore. Called Killer Innovations, and um, he he took you through the process of actually um, becoming innovative. And it was a great tip. You know, just just do things differently. If you find yourself in the same room all the time, then move rooms. If you find yourself 
going to a place the same way then go a different way and it just i don't know just changes something in your mind and allows you to be a little bit more creative gives you that extra spark okay and i read one more tip i'll just leave this one and it was in um, a hume mcleod book ignore everybody or something and he said the best artists use the least amount of tools so it's once you've once you've figured out what things work well for you, strip away all the extra stuff and stop hiding behind things and get to the end tool that you use the most, that you're most familiar with. Like, you know, uh, Picasso only had six colours on his palette and, you know, certain artists only just use a pencil and a pad or whatever, you, whatever works well for you. Just get your tools down to a minimum and so that you can then use other things like your environment to find new inspiration. I love that, mate. What book are you reading at the moment? Well, I just finished that one, Ignore Everybody. <laughs> and I'm, I just got the Jobs book, uh, which I'm going to just f- f- rip through pretty quickly. I'm not expecting much. I know he was a tyrant. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just want to see, the, I just want to fill in any gaps, but I'm not going to labour on that book, but I'll get through it pretty quick. It's a large book. I'm still just going to sit in a chair with some nice headphones. Lovely. And and uh, get through the whole book. Hey, mate, uh, thanks for sharing. That is another episode of the Freedom Ocean podcast. Go over to iTunes, guys. If you, uh, if you haven't left a review, um, please do so. And um, get onto Facebook and tell us what you'd love to hear us talk about in the future because um, we do listen, as we've just proved in, the last, in this last episode by answering some listener questions. Um, and um, thanks, James, for sharing, mate. So until next time, see you in the ocean. See you then, Timbo. Cheers, mate. Thanks for diving into the Freedom Ocean with James Schramko and Tim Reed. You've just come that little bit closer to living the life you choose. Please keep in mind that the ideas, opinions, and information shared in the show are those of the hosts and do not reflect those of their past employers. And as far as future employers go, well, they're both pretty much unemployable. (laughs) 